Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Welcome, everyone, to another edition, another episode of the Tomahawk Take podcast. Uh, I am the co-editor of TomahawkTake.com and the host of this uh, episode and this podcast, uh, Jake Mastriani. Uh, with me, as always, is uh, my co-editor, Alan. Good day, sir. And Fred. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. We've had a, a lot going on this week. Obviously, we got just two weeks left in the regular season, so things are coming down to the wire, and it's really crazy and really mad. <laughs> makes me uh hate this short schedule because it just seems like we you know we just got started and now things are coming to an end so uh it, it really you know, i guess brings you know the love of a 162 game season you know when it when it happens a lot of people say oh that's way too long but um now that we've you know just had a 60 game schedule it's way too short um you know, we were talking before we got on air you got teams like the the Giants who have been able to play good ball for 500 and they're likely going to make the playoffs and, you know, over 162 game schedule, that's not likely to happen, which, you know, it's fun for the Giants and fun for their fans. But, uh, you know, this, this limited sample size, uh, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, hopefully this is the last time we have to endure that, but um, we do have just, I think nine games left. Is that what the Braves have left guys? Y'all know off the top. They have ten. They have ten left. So just ten, ten, uh, ten games left for for the Braves right now. That we're recording this on Thursday night. The Braves have a three-game lead in the division uh, over the Marlins, which we'll talk more about a little later. But in this episode, I'm uh, going to try and cover the the rotation. Um, talk about Freddie Freeman's chances for MVP. Um, we'll talk about that division race as well as playoff scenario scenarios, and then also. Uh, talk about some of the rule changes um, that have been tested this year that could become permanent, uh, kind of what our thoughts on, are on, on those rule changes and what we hope to see come back, what we hope doesn't come back. Um, I imagine there's going to be some pretty uh, opinionated discussions uh, on that. 
Uh, I wanted to kick off the, the episode talking about the Braves starting rotation. Obviously the biggest question mark for this team, uh, as we get ready for the, the postseason. And this week we had, uh, Cole Hamels. Uh, I almost wanted to say comeback, but he never, <laughs> never started. So, um, you know, Cole, Cole Hamels making his first start, uh, for the Braves, much anticipated, um, a long, long wait. You know, we thought he was just going to be delayed, uh, till May when the season began. And then once the season was shut down and we were starting, um, you know, in July, we all thought, you know, we were going to get a full short season out of Hamels and then he gets pushed back again. Uh, it's almost like the Braves told him, okay, no matter what the season is, you can't pitch for the first month and a half. Um, and I don't know if maybe that was in the contract or not, but, uh, we finally got Hamels on the mound. Um, and, you know, it looked, looked pretty good. I wrote an article on it uh, the day after his start, kind of uh, breaking down uh, how everything went, what his pitches looked like, what we saw from him, what we need to see uh, from him. So make sure you go check that out on the, on the website. Uh, and then also Max Reed's supposed to be coming back. They actually have already reinstated him from the I.L. Uh, on Thursday, and he'll make his start um, Friday. Um, and so that'll probably, you know, happen before this uh, this comes out on Saturday, um, and hopefully that all goes well and he's uh, healthy and, and looking good. Um, the Braves also got a, a good start out of Kyle Wright, which really he's shown um, signs of progress. You know, his last two starts ever since he's come back up, um, I, I thought he showed some signs early in his first start back, and then uh, kind of put it all together a little more in this this last start. So um, things are are looking good for him. And, you know, you got to remember, obviously, this was spring training, and you take spring training for what it is. But, you know, he looked like one of the best pitchers for the Braves in the first spring training. Looked like he had it all figured out. Um, you know, maybe now he finally has that confidence at the major league level and is finally putting it together. Uh, one can hope. Um, and then Ian Anderson, you know, continues to impress as well. So, you know, all of a sudden it's looking like the Braves have uh, four four starters that they can – uh, trust. Uh, I say trust loosely because <laughs> I think some of them are, you know, still, still a bit question marks, but things are looking good at least. And then, um, who knows? Maybe, maybe Mike Poltonevich still gets a shot in here. <laughs> we know what he did at the end of last year. Maybe he has another late season run in him. Um, but things are starting to look up in the rotation, uh, a little bit, Alan. And, and what were your, you know, overall thoughts on the rotation and thoughts on Cole Hamels the other night? Is it me that has the bucket of cold water to throw in all this? I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm just going to remind everybody, this is still a rotation with three rookies in it right now. Uh, Anderson and Wright and Enoa, uh, as at least if Enoa is not uh, really hurt that bad with his back, it's it's going to be hard to tell. We haven't heard any, anything about whether he was put on the disabled list or anything, uh, but he looked like he was uh, having some considerable discomfort when he exited the game the other day. But don't forget, they're all rookies. I Now, I have been as harsh on Kyle Wright as just about anybody, but uh, I did see a different pitcher there his last time out. He seemed confident. The body language is there. I appreciated it, the things that he was doing, and, and he seemed to be uh, having a good time out there for a change and, and not nibbling at, uh, at spots as he had been doing in the latter innings of the outing. So I, I really thought that might have been him turning the corner, but that was one outing. 
and Anderson has had, uh, of course, his flashes of brilliance, but, uh, he, I mean, he's going to have his struggles too. And we don't know about, uh, Huascar whether, uh, he's going to be good or not. So, you know, we're still, I, I said last week that, uh, the Braves were in a position where they might luck out and get all these guys going. And son of a gun, the last week, they've gotten all those guys going. Now, whether they can keep them going into the playoffs, and I mean, can you imagine this team going into the playoffs with a rotation that has three rookies in it? That that's just sounds scary. But the way that the playoff format is, there's going to be precious few days off, and that's going to force them to go with the horses that brung them. So I hope this holds together. Uh, I have a hunch there's going to be some hits and misses here and there. With, there may be some there may be some games where they kind of get blown out. Don't worry about that because the next day that uh, the, this Braves team can turn it around. But the rotation is still being held together very delicately. And right now, that's uh, still what we got. Uh, one word quick about Fulty and the idea that he might come back. He's a special case. He is not on the 40-man roster right now. And at this point, to be able to restore him and be make him playoff eligible is going to require an injury to somebody else, and permission from the commissioner's office. I don't think that that would be too difficult to obtain if those things come to pass, but they're not going to just throw him on the the playoff roster, even if he's pitching great right now at the alternate training site, because uh, of that rule. The playoff eligibility deadline was the 15th of September, and so he's he right now is on the outside looking in. He didn't get back soon enough for the Braves to justify giving up a 40-man slot for him at this time. So he and others that are, are not on the, the roster are going to have to uh, do better and uh, do better by a lot to, to get back on that list. Yeah, no, you make, make some good points there, even though you did throw a, a cold bucket of water on the, the <laughs> optimism I was trying to, to bring to this podcast. But Well, I, th- uh, I think Fred probably brought me the water, and then I just threw it on it. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're not... You know, you're not wrong, and you know, even I said, you know, I use the word trust very lightly about this this group of of four. I'm I'm saying four. I think you can get by with four in the playoffs, even though there are no off days. Fred, like like Alan said, I mean, these guys are are rookies. The no off days in the postseason scares me a little bit. Uh, And even in the the article I mentioned on Cole Hamels, you know, his his velocity was down two miles an hour. From what it was last year, granted it's one start, it's his first start in a while, but you know I'd like to see that tick back up a little bit. And he was facing an Orioles team that, you know, even though they they took two out of three from the Braves, you know, is not the best lineup. So you know, Allen's got me on the the pessimistic train here now. But uh, Fred, what are your your thoughts on the you know the Braves rotation with ten games left to play here, and it looks like you know getting healthy, finally getting some confidence in some guys. Well, the uh, the thing about Faulty was there. Uh, Snit did an interview after Sunday's game, I guess Monday's game maybe, with 680 the fan, and he said that that when asked him about Faulty, he wasn't yeah maybe he's throwing 95. It was well he's doing okay, and that that was the point where he knew he wasn't coming back. He wasn't doing okay. Is he's throwing the ball, and it's 95, and that's all we're going to say about this. So I don't think they've given. I think they're going to. They're not. They're not going to give him an ARB contract. They will. They will. They won't tender him a contract, but they will make him a contract offer. I don't think he'll. Uh, I don't think he'll uh, get an arbitration raise that like he's going to be expected. They'll try to negotiate a contract with him, or they'll let him walk. 
on Hamels, I was sort of okay with Hamels. I mean, you have to understand that if this was April and he came out and he threw 60 pitches or 55 pitches in the first three innings and went and sat down, we'd say, well, yeah, he's going to get better. And that's going to be the case here. Now, whether he's going to get back up to 94 in three starts, I don't know. But he will be better each start because he's on the mound and he's actually pitching in a game, and it is different. Uh, and his their first couple of innings, everything was sort of going in its right place. Then he hung a few change-ups. He hung a little slide piece, and uh, they got, got away with that. And he was not happy with himself for hanging the pitches. He said, in his piece that or his interview that he had to do better, he would do better. He wants to win. I think Hamels will be all right. I don't think he's going to go six innings anytime soon, and I don't know how he's going to hold up as as you said with the with the constant slip. If we hit a three day five day kind of thing and it's like eight or nine days in a row, um, I'm not sure how he's going to be at the end of that or anybody else. But I I'm kind of okay with the way Hamels pitched. And, 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 you know, the, the duo of Hamilton and Tomlin behind him, that's fine. Freed's going to be okay. Um, Anderson's going to be okay because nothing really seems to bother him at all. Uh, if Kyle comes back, uh, I don't have a problem with the kids because they, they've already sat down and said, look, just go out and do what you can do. You can't be, you know, you're not Cy Young or, or Derek Cole or any of those guys. You are you. Just go out and be you and, and pitch and do your best. And, I think that may have been what happened with Wright the last time he sat down, looked at the mirror, and said, "Look, what are they going to do to me at this point? I just got to go out and pitch." And and he did. Um, and he looked like looked like the guy I hoped he would be when he when he came when we when the Braves signed him. Uh, so I, I think we shouldn't be expecting miracles, but I don't think we should be out, be out here uh, going, "Oh, poor me! It's going to be so bad." Because it's not. It's not. This if if these guys keep keep the lineup in the game, this lineup's going to score runs, uh, provided uh, Ronnie wakes up by then. But um, I, I'm, not a, I'm not pessimistic about it. I, ha- I have realistic expectations. I think they're going to go out, they're going to compete, and they're going to play hard, and, and they're going to sneak out maybe win a, win a, uh, a series or two. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, a lot of it is, again, who they play and when they play. Yeah, a couple things you brought up there that I didn't really have down to talk about, but I think are worth mentioning, you know, one of them, the fact that Acuna has really been struggling um, since he, he fouled the, that ball off his foot and, and just the body language too. We, we were talking about in the game the other night, just doesn't look great. Uh, and that concerns me a little bit, which of course, anytime you get concerned about Acuna, it seems like he goes on a tear. So maybe it's a good thing that we, we talk about how bad he's been lately. Um, but Fred, I mean, it, he's been, I think last night game, Wednesday's game, he was over four with three strikeouts. It's It just doesn't look good right now, and I don't know if he's healthy. I don't know if the wrist is still bothering him. With 10 days left, do you perhaps give him a couple of days off and, and you know, let him kind of clear his mind and, and get healthy if he's, you know, really not? Maybe he's trying to push through? Well, one of the things that I thought of was, you know, we we forget that these guys have other things going on besides baseball, you know. They have families. Um, there's uh, hurricanes in the islands. Uh, there's COVID around. And uh, I'm not saying anybody's sick or anything's happened to anybody. But we forget that these guys have families that aren't there with them and that, you know, things happen and that gets in their mind too. And that's distracting. And and they're young and they worry about their families. You know these guys that they're really attached to them. They, you know, um, 
I wonder if there's something like that going on. I think I mentioned it briefly the other night. We don't know what's going on with him aside from, you know, okay, I don't think fouling it off his foot's the reason. I really don't. I mean, if he, he ran first, he scored from first base. It didn't look like the foot was bothering him at all. And he made a couple of really good catches in the outfield that didn't look like the foot was bothering him at all. And I think if the foot was really bothering him, uh, uh, Snicker would have played Ender because he doesn't want Ronnie uh, screwed up injury-wise for the postseason, and we're pretty sure we're going to get in there. So uh, those things sort of tell me it's not an injury and that it may be something outside of the baseball sphere of things. Now, he does have to get it fixed. He does have to get his head screwed on a little bit out here. Somebody may know if it's something he's concerned about. Somebody's got to help him make that better, get him focused a little bit. I think he'll be okay. I don't think it's I don't think there's an injury involved with this. I just it just looks like he's not there and that's what makes me think maybe there's something else going on. Not that I don't know a thing, I'm just guessing here, but that's that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, uh, Alan, feel free to touch on that as well, but the the other thing too if if Ronnie's not right, you know, I don't know how far this team goes. Obviously we've been talking about the rotation, but you know, I don't know how far this team goes in the postseason. I saw somebody who had a a poll out on Twitter tonight, uh, which, you know, went mostly to Braves fans asking how, you know, where were the Braves seasons end? And most people said in either in the wild card or in the division series, you know, I think the feeling even for most Braves fans is, you know, they're probably first out in the first or second round. Um, you know, what are your kind of expectations for the, the Braves? You know, how far do you think this team can go, especially if Ronnie, you know, can't get going here soon? Well, we've never needed, with the depth of this lineup, everybody to hit all the time. Uh, we, we've seen that a couple times and the power that can be generated that way. Um, but we don't necessarily need him to, to do that. We just need hit, uh, pitchers to fear him and pitchers to, uh, respect what he can do, I, I suppose. And any of that kind of thing can still help. If he's even getting on base with uh, walks and, and such or just having good at-bats, that's that's what we need. Today, um, as we record this, the Braves got a day off. That may help. It may help just to get a couple more at-bats. I don't know if uh, Brian Snicker would envision giving him a second day in, uh, on Friday uh, right now, but uh, it just a, a little breather to, to – recharge and and get refreshed and and refocused if something external is happening then then that should help i'm I'm not terribly worried about it right now because i'm more worried about the pitching (laughs) obviously but uh if they can get a couple of guys going along with freddie to uh to support that lineup i think they're going to score runs and that that's going to be the the key either way uh we're still expecting better pitching uh, in the playoffs than what we've routinely been seeing. That may be a couple rounds before they see it. So in terms of how far I expect the, the Braves to go, I do expect them to win one round. I don't. And after that, it's going to be a matter of whether they can stay hot enough on both the pitching and hitting sides to, to maintain it. And frankly, that's what the case is going to be for just about everybody, except maybe the Dodgers who are always hot. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, as far as Ronnie goes, he couldn't be hitting in a better spot in the lineup because Ali's been hitting the ball since he came back, and Freddie, who uh, you know is is up there in the MVP race, which um, so you know he's got you know got surrounded by by a lot of great hitters in the lineup, 
but, you know, talking about Freddie, it's kind of where I wanted to go next. I mean, uh, the guy's having a, a great uh, month of September, and it's really vaulted him up into the, the MVP race. I wrote an article uh, over a week ago now kind of saying that Freddie's quietly putting up MVP numbers. And even as I wrote it, I didn't necessarily think he was, you know, one of the MVP favorites. But, you know, a lot changes in a week during the short season and <laughs> a week later, and he may be the favorite for the MVP at this point. He's hitting – 426 in September with a 1363 OPS, six home runs, 26 runs, and 25 RBI. And he's walked 11 times and struck out just five times, which I love to see. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, nationally, not just in the Braves, you know, Braves fans know how good he's been, but he's actually starting to get some national attention. I saw at least two articles written this week uh, about Freddie being uh in the MVP race if not the favorite uh which would be tremendous for him i i hope more than anything um you know that the that he gets it you know got like you said 10 games left to go um you know he's got to got to keep it up because it is a tight race with you know Fernando Tatis Jr who um you know everybody knows and you know was on fire to start the season but it's cooled off but uh it's just kind of a popular polarizing figure uh, and then Mookie Betts for the Dodgers is probably um, the other person in that top three there. Um, but Freddie has certainly put himself in the conversation. I'd love to see him finally get that that MVP. I think it would just take his his stock nationally to a whole other le- level. And then if potentially he is a Hall of Fame candidate, I think this could uh, be something that maybe takes him him over the top. But uh, Fred, what are your your thoughts on on Freddie uh, and how he's been playing this month and um, do you think he's he's the MVP favorite right now? I do, uh, and and a lot of other people do as well. I, you know, I, uh, Mike Connor Burns had uh, posted a piece for uh, the Insiders on MLBTR that had Freddie at the top of the race. He said, "Not really, you know." Uh, he had he had Tatis there, and he had Tatis there. And when he when he started writing the piece, he said, uh, "Tatis does not belong there." That's because when the Braves needed somebody to say, "Okay, guys, jump on my back, let's go." Freddie did that, you know, and uh, Tatis is not doing that. I'm not saying he's a bad player because, man, come on over. I'll find a place for you. Uh, But I I think that the fact that when the Braves were struggling just a little bit, um, Freddie started, hey, look, let's just do do some of this thing between him and Ozuna and Swanson at the top of the lineup when when Ronnie wasn't there. Uh, everything sort of clicked along, and they picked us up, and they kept him in the game and moved it forward. And every time it looked like we might fall back, and, and I was worried about them, Freddie would step up and do something. So I, I don't see um, – I think he would have to collapse in the next nine games not to win the MVP. Uh, so, I you know, I think everybody out there, we're hearing at every place now, uh, there's there's going to be some split votes from people who just are in love with the persona of Mookie Betts and and Fernando Tatis Jr. and a couple of others out there. But I I just I just don't see how he can lose this right now. Which of course means he probably will because I open my mouth. But I I just think right now he's doing so much. It it's so obvious who's leading and and dragging the team along with him that it's uh, it's impossible to deny it. Yeah, and, and I love what. You're talking about with him leading the team because you know how much this team has struggled with runners in scoring position this year. And Freddie's one of the players that's not. He's batting 429 with runners in scoring position. And he's batting 
same 429 with runners in scoring position and two outs. And 10 of his 11 home runs have come with runners on base. So uh, when he's getting those opportunities, he's taking advantage. And you're still seeing teams that are pitching around him and walking him to face Ozuna, who is having an incredible year as in himself. And it just tells you how good Freddie Freeman is that teams continue to pitch around him, even with Ozuna on deck. Uh, and how good is Ozuna's been this year. But um, it, it's exciting, Alan. I don't remember the last time the Braves have had a guy. Uh, I guess last year Acuna maybe was in there in September, and Freddie was too until he kind of faded. But, you know, I remember the last time the Braves had a an MVP favorite with 10 days, 10 games left to go in the season. Yeah, I think maybe all the way back to Chipper. But, uh, I mean, I'm just looking at some of these stats too. You know, one of the things that uh, writers seem to like is somebody who finishes strong. Uh, we were con- all concerned about uh, Freddie and J- back in July. I mean, there was only a week of games or less in July. But, I mean, his OPS when we were concerned about him was 856, which is obviously not terrible. But August, 1,023. September, 1,368 now. He's got a 6.8% strikeout rate in September. His weighted runs created plus number is 248. Average, I'll remind everybody, is 100. So he's two and a half times better than the average player in creating runs. That That's essentially what that means. His slugging percentage, 836. I mean, the numbers are just crazy. Nobody is approaching those right now. And uh, when you talk about finishing strong, this is what Freddie's doing. And yet he's still doing it while we're looking at him and thinking, well, yeah, that's what he always does. I'm glad he's getting the recognition for it now. And I do hope that he gets the award because I think he certainly deserves it and has certainly earned it for the Braves this year. Yeah, and a couple other things you know, to keep in mind, too, is that Freddie had COVID. Like he didn't just test positive. He he had COVID. Was feeling terrible. Um, was sick. You know, less than a week before the season started. You know, was was so sick that he scared Nick Marquez from playing uh, yeah. this year. You know, so I mean, yeah, he had two fifty nine with an eight fifty six OPS in July, and that's a guy who was coming off COVID and being sick. So you know, you give him a little pass there for for July and. The other thing, too, is, you know, when the season was first starting and the first spring training, you know, we were talking about how Freddie, you know, said this is the healthiest he's felt in, you know, five years or maybe even longer than that, you know, since he got the the bone spurs taken care of. So, you know, there was a lot of hype surrounding him then that maybe this will be the year that he's fully healthy all the way through and puts together that MVP season. And, you know, perhaps that's what we're seeing um, is that Freddie is finally fully healthy that uh elbow's not not barking at him i mean he's he's showing what he can do when he's fully healthy which just makes me scream why didn't you why didn't you take care of it earlier but you know it's it's fun to see i'm I'm glad to see that it's happening and again uh fingers crossed i kind of don't even want to post this podcast now because i don't want to jinx anything but I, i really hope he gets that that mvp and is able to put that you know with his resume let me throw out one more crazy stat about him. Right now, you mentioned his walk rate. His walks to strikeout ratio is two point two. I don't remember his walk to strikeout being, you know, 
that above one. one <laughs> yeah, one side. You just don't see it much today, you know, right? So, um, you know, that's incredible to me. I I love that. Obviously, I'm not a huge fan of today's game and all the strikeouts. Um, so seeing somebody that walks more than they strike out, uh, you know, certainly something I, I love to see. So last year he walked 87 times and struck out 127, which is not, not terrible for today's game, but, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's taken his walks. And again, like I said, Marcelo Zuna has been smashing the ball on deck behind him and he's still, uh, getting, getting pitched around, getting walked, which is just, just unbelievable to me and and ozuna ozuna has been inspired he actually had play of the day yesterday who knew that ozuna could rob a home run yeah making us <laughs> and, all eat our own words right yeah and Sw- and swanson was hitting in front of him. when swanson was hitting in front of him and freddie was hitting and ozuna was batting and the lineup they just didn't dare fail or just felt like they because freddie was doing what he was doing well you're walking freeman well i'm going to make you pay for that okay oh you walk me too TDA is going to make you pay for that. And and all of a sudden, the lineup was nearly what I expected it to be back when I told everybody I didn't, wasn't worried about this lineup this year. And, you know, I think that, you know, I'm being a slightly facetious there, but I think that it is infectious. It is a feeling that if he's doing that, after what he's done, and what, what let, we can do better, too. I can do better, too. I, it, there is a feeling uh, that if he can do it, I'm going to do it too. And I think that that has spread across the lineup. And, I, and I'm hoping it, you know, that whatever's bothering Ronnie gets out of his way, because if he lights up the top of the lineup, the way it's set right now, once you get past whoever uh, flowers the peas in the lineup, once you get past him, the, this whole lineup is top to bottom really, really tough. Yeah, some people would be mad at you slandering flowers there, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I happen to agree with you, but yeah, it's fun to see. Uh, again, cheering for Freddie these last couple of weeks that he can finish it off. But I wanted to get into uh, kind of the Braves, you know, d- division race and playoff scenarios. Um, again, as we're recording this on Thursday night, the Braves are three games up in the division with uh, ten games left. Um, I think the Marlins probably have a few more than that just because they were so far behind with the COVID situation. And they're, they're four games up on the Phillies. Um, let's see if I can do math. The Phillies have 12 games left, I believe, and yeah. Marlins have 13 left. So uh, they have 12, a 12 down that they lost to Boston already tonight. Okay, so they both have 12 games left, so they do have a couple more than the Braves. But the, the Braves got got a nice little cushion there, and they play the Marlins four games next week, which you know could pretty much just wrap up the division, kind of put some some ice uh, icing on the cake there, I guess. As long as the Braves just really split that series, they should be able to kind of wrap up the division, you know, depending on what happens over the weekend. And let's just see real quick while I got it open. The Marlins uh, look like got a series against the Nationals. The Marlins have a struggle. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, they, oh, well, they've okay. got some tough they, teams. They, yeah, they, they got uh, five with the Nationals and then obviously four with the Braves and then three uh, in New York against the Yankees. Yeah. So, so yeah, difficult schedule for the Marlins to finish out. And no days off, if I recall. The the Nationals put Adam Eaton on the IL today. 
and uh, he's probably not coming back. Uh, yeah. And their lineup is in trouble anyway. I'm not sure they're a problem anymore. I mean, you know, you get to a certain point where you look around and you go, uh, really? Okay. I'm not saying they're going to quit, but I, I, they're just not the, the team that they were uh, to start this, this mess out. Yeah, no, I mean, Braves just played them, and that lineup is not not dangerous once you get out of uh, Turner and, and Soto, which still kill the Braves, especially Turner. Uh, I actually thought they did a pretty good job against Soto, but, you know, outside of those two, that lineup's not very scary, especially now you take Eaton out of it as well. So uh, as far as the Phillies go, the Phillies four games back, and they got a game tonight with the Mets. And then they have four games against the Blue Jays, who are fighting for uh, while our playoff spot. And then they have four against Washington, who we just talked about. And then they, they, they finish with three at Tampa, which Tampa could be on kind of cruise control at that point. So uh, you don't know how that's exactly going to play out. But not a not an easy schedule for them either, uh, playing two playoff teams and then the Nationals, who uh, at least have some pitching with Corbin and, and Scherzer. So it'll be a, an interesting finish, but as long as the Braves take care of business, you know, they got three with the Mets this weekend, four with the Marlins, and they finished with one of the worst teams in baseball uh, in the Red Sox, um, who I believe the Braves swept earlier. Yeah, they swept them in Boston earlier. Uh, they finished with three against Boston at home. So, you know, as long as the Braves do what, what they're supposed to do the rest of the way, you know, feel pretty confident that they're going to take the division and just looking at the standings and trying to trying to determine who the Braves might match up with, we were kind of talking about uh, this ahead of time. You know, the Dodgers have pretty much locked up the first seed in the National League. The Padres have pretty much locked up the fourth seed. You know, as we talked about for the Braves, we feel pretty confident they're going to win the division. So then it just becomes down to them or the Cubs for the two or three seed. But the five through eight seed in the National League is really just up for grabs, especially – you know, with all these teams having, you know, different number of games left, you know, the the Marlins and Phillies specifically having more games left than everybody else. But, you know, you got the Marlins, the Reds, the Giants, the Phillies, Cardinals, the Brewers, and maybe even the Rockies, you know, battling for those last uh, four spots there. But, Fred, I'll, I'll start with you. You know, your thoughts on the Braves, you know, finishing out the division and, you know, maybe who you would like to see them face in the first round or who maybe you wouldn't want them to face well i don't suppose we can get the red sox to come in and play us so uh <laughs> I would, uh, you know i don't think it makes a lot of difference in the first round you know you're talking about well you're going to get the reds you may get the phillies i suppose the reds the phillies uh, the giants aren't can't come up here i don't think they can get to us so or i just think the reds scare me the most because they've got the best pitching but they haven't been hitting really well uh, and if I was going to avoid somebody, it's it's Bauer and Urias and, and that crew uh, there that are and and Gray's back off the IL, I guess maybe I don't know, but but if they're all if all their pitchers are there and they happen to decide to hit, the team is dangerous. Now I I don't think it's an issue. I think we can beat them, but right now that's who it looks like to me. I don't see the Rockies coming back. I don't see the Brewers involved in this at all. The Phillies. Um, uh, our, their bullpen is is having uh, Christmas in New York right now, uh, so I I I think that um, I I really don't think there's much 
out there to worry us in this first round, and and that's probably jinx too. But you know, it right now, right now it's the Reds. Uh, but it, it doesn't really bother me one way or the other on this. We'll we'll be at home, uh, and uh, they won't be, and that's going to be a benefit to us, even if there's no no fans in the seats. Yeah, and Alan, I guess that's another thing you know we should kind of mention at least. Um, and I think we did we did talk about there being no off days, which I think is great because it makes you use more of your team. Unfortunately, the Braves' starting rotation um, isn't very deep this year, but I do like the no off days. Uh, but the other thing is the first round will be uh, at the higher seeds uh, home field, uh, and then after that, um, the National League will play in. Arlington, I believe. Yeah, Arlington. And the, Correct. And the American League will play in California, uh, at the LA and San Diego sites. And then the World Series will be played, um, in Arlington, in Texas. So, uh, um, the National League play, the National League is going to play, uh, in Houston. Um, the first, we'll, we'll, we'll be play, we'll be playing in Houston the first round if we, when we go through. I'm looking at the brackets right now. Uh-huh. So, we're go- we'll play in Houston the first round, uh, and the, the the series is going to be played in North. The World Series is going to be played in Arlington. Or, yeah. Well, uh, so. yeah. Fred, Fred's assuming we get past the wild card round here, and and he's trying to jinx us. Ah, uh, well. Tonight, but yeah. So so the way it's lining up, so you're saying either the two or the three seed, whichever one gets by, will play in Houston. Is that what yeah. you're saying, Fred? The two and three seeds play in Houston. The one the one and four seeds play in Arlington. Okay. Well, the bracket set up right now. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of uh, the postseason playoff uh, breakdown that was kind of announced earlier this week. But Alan, just your overall thoughts on the Braves closing out the division and who you'd like to see them face in that first round? Yeah, I think the Miami and Philadelphia have just too tough a road to hoe to get uh, in any position to be able to challenge Atlanta in the last couple weeks here. Uh, in fact, I think the more interesting question is whether they're going to make the two seed. Uh, the Cubs are going to have to play Minnesota for three, the Pirates for four. There's a possible four walkovers. And then the Chicago White Sox, who are probably going to be just trying to rest everybody and, and get themselves ready for postseason as well, since they've already clinched even now. So, I guess I have to rate the Cubs as a, a bit easier schedule because they only have uh, their next three games as, as meaningful. Uh, their last off day is today. Uh, they'll they'll play from the 18th through the 27th straight through uh, against those teams. But uh, I think that's still a toss-up as to whether the Braves can overtake them for the, the second spot. Right now they're one game behind. I'm not sure what it's going to what what we're going to do in terms of trying to make a push to do that but uh i mean anything could happen uh, as far as the teams behind them yeah i'm i guess i rate the reds as the most dangerous uh but between the giants phillies reds if you even get to the Cardinals or Brewers or anybody else like that, all of those teams have flaws. They have obvious flaws because they're all sitting around the 500 mark and have been all season. And there's just no way that uh, they are going on a run unless they just happen to get crazy hot. I mean, the Reds right now have won five in a row. They needed to do that to get themselves back in the race, and they have done so. 
they're they're the the team that has the most tools to be able to to get that job done. I hope we don't play them first round. Uh, I'd rather play somebody like the Giants or Phillies, but we'll have to see how that all plays out in the next couple of weeks, I guess. Yeah, no, definitely be. You know, like I said, that five through eight or nine there, those teams aren't separated by much, so there'll be a lot of shuffling uh, between now and then. <laughs> you know, like you said, just five days ago, I thought the Reds were done. Uh, but then you go on a five-game win streak, and that changes everything. And that's, you know, just kind of what this season is like. You you have one good week, and you're in it. You have one bad week, and looks like you're out of it. So, um, and that's going to define the playoffs as well. So, yep. any of these teams can fall in, in a short series, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, so with that, that kind of brings us to our last topic uh, we want to talk about tonight, and that is, you know, these rule changes. Um, you know, obviously, it's a strange season uh, in 2020, and I've accepted a lot of these rule changes just because, one, I, I wanted to have a season, so I wasn't going to put up much of a fight, and uh, two, I think if you're going to test things out, this is the season to do it. Um, but as Fred kind of pointed out in our, our conversation off air, you know, how many times do these things tested and then not fully, um, implemented for good? Uh, and it sounds like that may be what's happening. The commissioner, um, kind of hinted at the, the possibility of keeping the playoffs like this, which I will absolutely lose my mind if that happens and rage. But, um, it sounds like, Sounds like, Fred, that that could be a reality as well as some of these other rule changes that have been implemented for this season. Well, it won't be this way that way next year because uh, the commissioner can just change the rules as long as he notifies the MLBPA. He can he can implement the 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 ghost runner and uh, the uh, the seven inning doubleheader. He can he can do those things. Uh, the uh, the what he can't do is he can't change the playoffs without the MLBPA agreeing. And everything I've read and everybody I've listened to about this since it came out, because first when I first heard it, I went, there's a hole in my roof where I went through. Um, but everything I've read since in there, uh, and Rosenthal wrote a piece, and a couple of other guys have written, wait a minute, he's he's not doing that. He's saying that. And it, and when, when you sit back and think that this is a – this is the this is the trial balloon. They're floating that up, uh, and they're trying to find a reaction. And they don't care what the fans think. First, anybody that thinks that uh, MLB cares what we think about anything is absolutely incorrect. They send out surveys. They they do all these wonderful things for us, and then of course they never read them. This is the trial. This was the political trial balloon. Hey, you know we'd like to keep sixteen. I think you'll end up eventually. In, in a couple of years, maybe after the next CBA, because that's where it would have to be done, um, you may end up with a 12 to 14 team uh, playoff where the the division winners get a bye, uh, and the other teams uh, have to have to fight to get to play the division winners. Now, I'm not really involved at all, happy with all that. I think there are other options that have to be considered, other ways to work it out, which may mean that it gets pushed past the next CBA. And if it does, if that happens, then you're talking about 2025, 2026 uh, before it can be done. But this is, um, unless he wants to fight and have it done um, in, in between, and I'm not sure he wants to do that. This, this, uh, But the rule changes, 
he can he can change the rules by notifying the MLBPA that he's going to do it. And I think that you'll still see the ghost runners next year. I'm not sure about the uh, the seven inning split double headers. I'm not sure about that, but I know that there are some the players like that <laughs> part of it because they don't get wore out so much and the bullpens don't get blown up and you don't have people come up for one game and get sent back down and that kind of thing. I'm not a fan of it. Um, it may be some kind of compromise like a nine and a seven, but I do expect, you know, the ghost runner thing to stick around. I, I just, just with someone that said today or yesterday, I was listening to him talk. He said, as a player, I, I would hate it, but as a fan, it keeps me watching the game. Uh, because in the, in the extra inning, you're only one base hit away from winning. And that's something that to get people to watch past the ninth inning, uh, is got to have. You can't just, you know, go on 19 innings and, and have Lugo fall over at home plate and be called safe because the umpire's tired. You can't keep doing that. And the alternative to doing that is to do it the way the Brits do the the soccer and, you know, you get three points for a win and one for a tie. And at the end of the season, not two and one, three and one, three for a win, one for the tie. So that at the end of the season, if you're tied with somebody uh, for points, then uh, the, the amount of runs you scored is the, is the tiebreaker. So that's that's the way they do soccer, and that's the only alternative to uh, having these things run on and on. They've either got to be won uh, quickly, or there's got to be a tie declared. So I, I think the ghost runner sticks around. Um, I'm not sure how the the double header thing will stick around or not, but I tend to think it will. Uh, but the the postseason, saying 16 teams, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I you know I, I say 12 teams maybe. Uh, maybe they're what, where are 10 now, 12 teams at, or 14. So that's what I could see happening. And of course, eventually they'll say, well, we have to expand. And then, then your playoffs are going to change again. Yeah. Uh, Alan, they'd have to hide the commissioner in a bunker if the Yankees win 113 games over 162 game season and then get put out in a three game series. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that happening, you know, as a Braves I, fan, if they won well, 100 plus games and lost a three game series and were, were gone? Well, I'd love it if they were the Yankees, but, uh, yeah, the, I, I tend to agree there. But at the same time, in an expanded, uh, playoff scenario, you're usually got a lot of weaker sisters, like we were talking about, uh, flawed teams that are hanging around 500 or less that are going to be that first round opponent. And, uh, to a great extent, I'm thinking, so why put them in there? Overall, I have a sort of equally or maybe even more augmented, uh, cynical view of this whole set of rules because they, okay. Yes, they, they're doing the extra inning thing to try and save pitching. Okay, I can, I can live with that. And it does keep the interest going. Even if somebody scores, as, even if the road team scores at the top of the tenth, you know, as a home team fan, that your team still has a shot at the bottom of the tenth. That's, I think that's good for the game. Uh, the seven inning double headers, I don't think that's going to be a big deal. It seems like I uh, heard uh, that Manfred was saying that there was sort of lukewarm at best uh, support for that. And in a regular 162 game season, you really don't have any, many double headers anyway. So honestly, I don't think that's going to end up being that consequential. The, the designated hitter, Universal DH, I think that's probably here to stay, but it may be a negotiating point, and that's where I'm getting into the cynical part. A lot of these things, uh, the the expanded playoffs, 
They are entirely designed to create more money for the industry. When we come around to this next CBA, there's why the trial balloon, I think, was was floated so that they can see how this kind of thing works and see how much revenue they really get. And that's that's where they're going to get the next injection of money in the game. They've got two, uh, effectively two sources uh, for money that are remaining right now. One is ex- would be expanded playoffs. Second would be expanded league, getting the 32 teams. We're not ready to do that yet. We're, we're a few years away, but I think that's, that's within the next five, certainly. That'll put more money into the game. That will give the, uh, the players some leverage to say, hey, we'll take that. We'll take the expanded playoffs if you give us things like expanded rosters, this universal DH, and other things that they might be looking for. Uh, I think like, the DH uh, stays next year. I, 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 don't, I do too. Yeah, I, th- I don't think it's ever going away. Now that it's been here, uh, I think that the, the idea, as we talked before, we've talked about this before, and the idea that the National League has to adjust to it, they just adjusted to it. They did, and that rolling it back is going to be difficult. I think everybody's going to uh, want to go ahead. And really, nobody uh, ended up uh, having a, a really tough time uh, adjusting to it, even on the fly, which was surprising because before we'd always said, well, we need a couple of years to get our rosters ready to do this. Well, no, didn't. We needed like a week, <laughs> and, and everybody uh, adjusted seamlessly. Um, the the other thing that the, the players are going to want certainly in the next CBA is going to be a higher um, luxury tax threshold so they can get more money into the game uh, for themselves. All those things are going to be negotiated out. And if you don't think that uh, MLB, as uh, Fred would suggest, if you do think that they're listening to the ideas that fans have, all I have to do is point you to the television blackout rules, which have been completely ignored for the last few decades. So, yeah, I, I think that MLB is going to do what they want to do. It's all about money, and it's going to be uh, about the negotiations coming up next December. Yeah, definitely. And the other caveat to all this is we don't know what next year looks like. We're all expecting a normal season next year, but... No guarantees on that. You're right. Yeah, so, I mean, we could see, you know, even more rule changes um, next year if uh, we have a a shortened season or, you know, the pandemic is still going on, which even still here... (laughs) You know, sitting here in September, it seems like it's still pretty much in in full effect. But um, well, there's going yeah. to be a there's going to be an issue. I mean, even there's first of all, uh, contrary to the popular opinion, there's not going to be a vaccine in November. Uh, it, it it's the, the the CDC guy said it's going to be the middle of the year, and Paul and he's right because he knows what the testing is going to take. And the drug companies are saying the same thing. When the people that make it say it's going to be next year and they get all that money coming in, they know that. So we know that there's still going to be some kind of restrictions in spring training. Uh, We expect that there will be restrictions on seats in the ballpark. Uh, So, you know, you're quite right. I mean, I I agree that there may be – it may even be a short season next year. It may not be – not 60 games, but we're talking about – you know, it may not be 162 because they're going to get everything in before the bad weather hits and stuff. So I think you're right, absolutely right in that. Yeah, and and obviously we could, you know, go off on a tangent there. But, you know, just as far as the rule changes go, you know, my opinion on them, um, 
I don't want to see the playoffs expanded any more than they are. I think that would be terrible over 162-game season. I was fine with them in a 60-game season just because it is a short stretch, and you want to make sure teams that are, are actually good that have a bad month um, you know, still get in. As far as the DH, I, I don't like it, but uh, it's one of those that's it's here. I think, you know, like both of you have said, it's not – it's something that we've known is going to just come into the game eventually. This was their way of putting it in there, and they're not going to take it away now. Which, and with the way the Braves lineup is, is hitting, we 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 need that DH. Um, and you know, I don't want to see the Mike Fultonaviches of the world swing the bat. So I've kind of warmed up to it a little bit, um, but I wouldn't be upset if if they went back to the traditional rules. But uh, like like you both have said, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the DH is here for good. And then the the ghost runner, as Fred calls it, in extra innings, I've kind of grown to to like that as well. I kind of wish they would start it in the 11th or 12th inning, um, maybe give teams one more inning of, of doing it traditional way and then start with a runner on second. I kind of wish they would do that. And uh, the doubleheader things, uh, I think like Alan said, during a normal season which again who knows when's mm-hmm. the next time we'll have normal but you're not going to have as many double headers as we're having this year so I don't think that's going to be that big of a of a deal if you wanted to to have um you know seven inning double headers I don't you know it's something that may come up four five times over 162 game season you know maybe once a month um so I don't see that being that big of a deal if they wanted to implement implement that I think it is fine. I think it does help save your bullpen. I go back to that one doubleheader the Braves played where Ian Anderson pitched six innings in the first game and Max Reed pitched six innings in the second game. They only needed two innings from their bullpen in the doubleheader. And, um, you know, that's great if you can do that. But, you know, I think that's something else that, that could be implemented and to here and here to stay as well. So it's really just the postseason one that I, I hope doesn't stick. But but the rest of them, uh, I think we could see coming back, especially if next you know this pandemic goes into spring training um, next year, uh, and it looks like it, it will. Um, then I think we'll see some of these rule changes stick. But any other thoughts on on kind of the rule changes before we get out of here? Three batter minimums not been a bad thing, I don't think. Yeah, it's something I haven't even you know really noticed other, other than when a Braves pitcher comes in and walks the first batter, and I'm like, okay, give him the hook. And, and you can't. Uh, and I still even hear uh, announcers that that you know haven't adjusted yet, talking about you know trying to get a guy out of there before he's faced three batters. But yeah, for the most part, I don't think it's something that has been that noticeable or um, you know really even mattered too much. Well, what it has done is it's taken, it's killed the loogies. Okay, who should I? I said when people when Tony Larusa and those guys started using the loogies, uh, the Lefty only one, uh, lefty out, lefty one guy out, uh, is those guys, you can't get three guys out, you don't belong in the major leagues. I mean, I just, it's just that simple. You can't pitch in the major leagues if the only guy you can get out is left-handed. Okay? You're, you're not good enough anymore. Go home and get a job. The, the three bat, I, I wanted two for the longest time. Um, and, and the three batters, I always thought three was too much and it was a negotiating point, but, uh, right now, the three batter minimum has hurt people with bad bullpens. To call Philadelphia and ask, but it's um, it's not, you know, I don't think it's something that's unmanageable. 
Uh, you you just have to how you teach your pitchers to pitch again, which uh, shock and all. That's what they should have been doing in the first place. <laughs> I yeah. think Philadelphia is going to be in trouble anyway. <laughs> no, yeah, they're no. already crying about their bullpen. I, uh, you know, it doesn't seem to matter who they they bring in, who they're facing. <laughs> Um, but that does it for uh, this edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast. I uh, enjoyed the conversation, as always, with, with Alan and Fred, and hope you've enjoyed it as well. And if you're still sticking around to the end uh, with us here, we do truly appreciate it. Uh, please make sure you t- check out the TomahawkTake.com website uh, for daily uh, Braves content as we gear up for the postseason um, and try to uh, look at who the Braves could be facing and whether or not they can hang on to that division. Uh, so make sure that you are checking out the the website. If you do enjoy the podcast, make sure that you uh, subscribe to it. Um, we are changing formats a little bit, Alan. I don't know if that's uh, worth mentioning if you want to, to touch on that topic. I think wherever you get your podcast, you'll still get it in the same place, just uh, kind of where we're uploading. It's a little different. Yeah, we'll have a different source, but uh, I'm hoping it's not going to be different. We'll we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I don't yeah, even so, know yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this will be our, our first time posting the podcast on uh, the new website. But, again, wherever you uh, subscribe to your podcast, you'll still be able to get uh, the Tomahawk Tape podcast. So, again, if you, you do enjoy it, make sure that you go uh, subscribe uh, as we put out a weekly podcast. Uh, and that'll do it for uh, this edition uh, and we'll talk to you next time this MVP edition of the Tomahawk Take podcast has been a production of TomahawkTake.com and Fansided LLC a subsidiary of Minute Media Inc opinions expressed on the show today are those of the participants alone Minute Media swore off all of them all rights reserved Some of the musical selections used today come to you under the auspices of the Creative Commons license, terms of which are available at creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 4.0. These are pieces by Kevin McLeod entitled Gold Rush and Opportunity Walks. His works are featured at incompetech.filmmusic.io. All other selections used come via rights purchased by TomahawkTech.com. Thanks for putting up with us today, and hopefully you'll recognize us in the future by the neon yellow arm sleeves we wear. See you next inning.